going to talk about anger today, but there's going to be two parts to this message because when I started writing, I was like, oh, this is way bigger than just one message. Okay, so part one today, part two in two weeks. We good with that? All right, I'm going to start. Here we go. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. All right. How many people grew up with siblings? Lots of you. How many, how many people grew up where siblings tried to get you in trouble or you tried to get siblings in trouble? <laughs> Amen. Me too. I have two younger sisters. One's two years younger. One's four years younger. They scheme to get me in trouble all of the time. All the time. If they were here, they would ask forgiveness and repent. <laughs> um, but they're not. So, so, you know, you have to take my word for it. Uh, there was one time, I was probably nine. I was younger. And we were outside playing baseball. And my one sister uh, wanted to stop playing, but we needed her to play. We didn't have enough people on the team. And so I started yelling at her. And I was like, you're dumb. That's what I said, because she wanted to stop. Now, my sister knew that me saying you're dumb was not enough to get me in trouble. But she knew that if she told my mom that I hit her, it would be enough to get me in trouble, right? So what ended up happening? So what ended up happening was this. My sister runs inside, says, Mom, Jonathan hit me, and I didn't hit her, right? So I run in, and I'm like, Mom, I did not hit her. And my mom goes, go to your room, because it's possible that I would have lied about hitting my sister other times, right? So she didn't quite believe me. Yeah, anybody feel that? We feel that? Yeah. So I ran up to my room. I slam the door. I just slam it, and I start crying. And then I hear my sister, like, with the most self-satisfaction ever go, Sorry, everybody, my brother can't come out and play because he's in trouble. And I was like, y'all know that feeling of injustice? Mm. Oh, boy. So my mom comes up. My mom is amazing. My mom is the best listener I know, legitimately, the best listener I know. She will ask questions. She will get to the bottom of things. But on this particular day, I think my mom was just tired from having three kids under the age of 10. And my dad was on a trip, I remember. And so she came in. She said, why did you slam the door? And I said, because I'm angry. And I expected my mom to say, well, why are you angry? Let's talk about it. And instead, she said, walk back over to the door and shut it gently. Y'all ever feel that? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's a stifling of your righteous anger, right? It's stifled. And I was like, oh, you know, that was painful. Maybe you all had caregivers who said this. You said, I'm angry. And your caregiver said, I'll give you something to be angry about. Right? <laughs> I think this is true. And I'm going to say this, especially if you grew up as a Christian. I think this is true that uh, we don't know how to deal with anger. I legitimately think this is true. I think we don't know what to do with anger. I don't think we know what to do with righteous anger. I don't. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure there's a few of you in this room who grew up in such a way where you didn't even get a chance to get angry. You weren't allowed to talk about being angry in your family. Your family didn't talk about any of that, right? It sort of was all pushed down, right? And maybe one day it all exploded. But regardless, like, oh, we're not going to get angry about this. We're not going to talk about it. Perhaps some of you uh, um, were, were, were not allowed to, to really get to the root cause of your anger. It had to be fixed quickly. Say you're sorry, right? Quickly, it gets fixed. I think maybe there's some of us here who had a parent or a caregiver or somebody who was angry all the time. And because they were angry all the time, we walked around on eggshells, right? We didn't quite know what to do with their 
anger. And so I think, and I'm making an assumption, I know, but my guess is that most of us in this room, in one way or another, have dealt with unhealthy forms of anger. In fact, we weren't allowed to be angry. We don't know how to deal with this anger, so it manifests itself in some pretty toxic ways. That's the bottom line. I'm only going to talk about one of those toxic ways today. I think we manifest the anger on our social media sites, no? How many people have ever been angry on social media? Liars, all of you, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Um, no, it's true. I think Twitter's a giant dumpster fire for this thing, right? It, it just is. Um, uh, last week, uh, there was some really righteous anger that went down on Twitter. Uh, these four uh, you know, old school patriarchal pastors made fun of this woman pastor doing incredible work. And so there's this real uh, righteous anger that went down. Patriarchy is something we should be angry about, right? That matters, okay? And yet um, people like, sort of took that anger. They didn't know quite what to do with it, and it became toxic. So people would say, yeah, this patriarchy is terrible, and if your pastor doesn't talk about it at church on Sunday, you should get really mad and walk out of that church and never come back again. So here I am talking about it. Cool? <laughs> Check. All right? All right? And then, and then somebody else will come along and say something like, yeah, patriarchy is terrible, but if you're not outraged by the fact that cats are being declawed, then like, I don't know what to tell you, right? <laughs> Y'all listen to me. This is true. I'm not even kidding. I wrote that as a joke. I was scrolling through Twitter yesterday. Somebody said it for real. And I was like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm prophetic. I was like, they legitimately said it for real. I was like, this is amazing. And then somebody else on Twitter will get angry about that, and they'll say, well, it should be both. We should be mad at both patriarchy and cats being declawed, to which the first person goes, no, you're blocked. <laughs> and the reason we do that is because, once again, I'm going to say we don't know how to deal with our righteous anger. And so it manifests itself in a myriad of ways. I just mentioned one out of literally hundreds, hundreds. Oh, anger is a tough one. We're talking about transformation. And we're talking about what it means to be transformed. Why do we need to be transformed? I think we need to be transformed because I tell this church all the time, we are called to usher in the next 500 years of Christianity. There is a very good gospel message out there, and we get to tell that good gospel message, but we can't do it if we're not transforming ourselves, if we're not maturing ourselves, if we're not moving forward in this gospel message. That's what I want from us. So last week I said, hey, we can be transformed when we look at sin a little differently. How many people are here for that message? A few of us. Okay. Uh, today I'm saying the same thing. I'm saying we can be transformed when we learn the best ways to deal with our anger. And so like I said, this is a two-part message. Part one is today, and I am simply going to say this to you. I'm simply going to tell you that the passage I just read before, we can throw that passage back up there on the screen, that passage that I read before contributes, contributes to un healthy ways of dealing with anger. It contributes to it. We take a passage like this and we read it out of context, and next thing you know, we have no idea what to do with our angry selves. Why? Because it says, don't be angry. It says, don't let slander come out of your mouth. Forgive before the sun goes down. Make sure that you're doing what Christ did, right? And we don't know what to do with that, and so we never actually deal with what's going on in our roots, ever. Here's what I'm going to tell you today. In order for us to be transformed in anger, this to me is so important that I want to read it to you. I'm going to tell you this. It is unbiblical and not a part of Christianity to deny your feelings of anger. It is unbiblical to deny your feelings of anger. And secondly, our anger is not a spiritual weakness or a spiritual failure, even if we are still angry when the sun goes down. Okay, this is the part we're going to talk about today. 
All right, there's plenty of toxic anger. There's plenty of ways to lay down that anger. But today, I want to give us permission to be angry. And I wanted to give us permission to be angry because I believe it's going to transform us, okay? We good? All right, let's keep talking about it. If you were here last week, then you heard me say that part of the reason that we struggle, part of the thing we need to be transformed from is bad theology. And so bad theology is a theology that says there is a, a sinner, us, right? And we are separate from God because of our sin. That is bad theology. So uh, another way we say this is we say God can't stand the sight of sin, so God can't stand the sight of us. We are a problem. We are a problem that needs to be solved. Thank God that it is solved through Jesus Christ who dies for our sins, right? And a lot of us are like, yeah, this sounds super familiar. But a lot of us don't even get to the point that this is a really damaging theology. It's a damaging theology because we are told inherently that we are not to be trusted, Inherently, we are bad people. In fact, Jeremiah 17 says you, our hearts are deceitful, right? And so we take that to heart and we say, I can't be trusted. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. Look, God couldn't stand the sight of me except for Jesus Christ, who grew up Catholic here. Okay, you all called that original sin, right? That's what you all called it. You said, I am from birth a sinner, right? How many people grew up Presbyterian? Where's my Presbyterians at? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you all grew up with total depravity, right? I'm totally depraved. At my core, I am bad. And so when we are bad at our core, we can't trust ourselves when we get angry. Because our anger is a bad thing. Well, I'm a sinner. I'm depraved. I can't be trusted with my anger, even if our anger is righteous. Someone might cheat on you. Someone might lie about you. Someone might gossip about you. Those are things that you should be righteously angry about. And yet what we do is we spiritualize it away. What we do is we say, well, I should be angry about this, but geez, the Bible tells me that, you know, tells me not to let the sun go down on my anger. So, and plus I'm a sinner. I can't really be trusted. And really Jesus went through worse than I did. Jesus dealt with betrayal too, and Jesus died for it, right? So, so I just need to forgive and forget. I just need to move on, right? That's, that's what we do to ourselves. When we move on, what we end up doing is we end up cutting ourselves, and the cut is so deep that it needs stitches. And what we do is we get one of those cheap CVS Band-Aids and try to put it over it. That's what, anybody ever try to do that? I do. And it leaves hideous scars. That's the bottom line. We try to spiritualize our anger away. We say it's not really a part of us. It's this bad side of us, the side that, that was the problem that, that Jesus had to come and fix. And so inherently, we don't trust uh, the fact that we are made by God as children of God. And part of being made by God as children of God is to have some righteous anger, is to be angry. This is what Thomas Merton says. I think it's really important to read. He says, our Christian beliefs today have merely deadened our humanity instead of setting it free to develop richly in all of its capacities. And the truth of the matter is if we are to bring peace to God's kingdom like God calls us to do, then we have to acknowledge every one of our capacities as human beings. And to acknowledge that is to acknowledge that it is okay for us to have righteous anger. It is okay for us to feel angry. It is okay for us to be wronged. And it's okay to sit in that anger for a little while. Now that's a personal aspect of this. But the truth of the matter is, the personal aspects of anger have far-reaching consequences on our community. You know what we've done with our community? When our community sees that there is an injustice, when there is a righteous anger within our, within our community, what we will do 
is we will say, hey, I can't come to grips with my own anger and I see your, your righteous anger over here. I see that there is an injustice or an oppression happening to you and you should be angry about this, but I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let you be angry because I can't be angry. That's what we do. So I'll give you an example. We all know that women make 78 cents for every dollar a man earns. We know this. Yeah, white women. It's even worse for women of color. So what do we do with that? Well, we uh, do nothing with it, frankly. What we do is we walk in and when we see a man who's angry about something like this, what we say about the man is we say, well, look at him. He's passionate about his work. He's passionate about that. Look at that. He's, he's a real visionary. He cares deeply about what's going on. When a woman gets angry over those injustices, what do we say? Oh, she's crazy. That's what we say. And we say far worse, don't we? Things that I'm not going to say from this, this place, Right? Because what we do is we take a look at righteous anger, anger that should um, uh, spur us to move, spur us to change things, spur us to change equity, and we say, well, I can't hear you if you're going to be angry in that way. You see, the fact that we don't let ourselves be angry actually keeps us in power over people who have every right to be angry. Does that make sense? I have a friend, Monique Morris, she wrote a book called Push Out. In her book, she talks about the fact that black girls are the most disciplined group of children uh, in, in throughout all of our school system in America. The black girls are over-disciplined in America. And I was talking to Monique about this a few months back, and she said something to, the, uh, to this effect. She said, you know what? She said, the reason is, is because a black child will be over-disciplined, and then a righteous side-eye from that black child is an affront to white people everywhere. And so what we do is we say, oh, you're angry about that? Let us discipline you again because you're angry about that. And so the cycle continues. We see injustice and injustice happens. And when we cry out in the midst of injustice that this isn't fair or this isn't right, what we're basically told is to go shut that door gently. That's basically what we're told. We don't want to address the anger. That anger has manifested itself in negative ways. You know, you can do a quick Google search. Go ahead uh, and see how many, literally hundreds of pastors said that Martin Luther King, in the midst of his ministry, was doing it the wrong way. They would say, if he would just stop being so angry, maybe I could listen. Fifty years later, Colin Kaepernick takes a knee. What do we say? Well, if he didn't disrespect the flag, maybe I could listen. We start to make those excuses. We start to say, listen, they don't deserve to be angry. I, don't, I, I can't be angry, neither should you. That anger manifests itself in ways that keeps some people in power and takes away power from other people. And yet, we are called to be transformed. And if we're called to be transformed, then what we need to understand first and foremost is we need to understand that God has made us perfectly in God's image. And because of that, anger is a beautiful and perfect part of that image. Anger can transform and bring peace to this place. I know that sounds like irony, but it's not. It brings peace to this place. How? How many people have uh, heard or how many people have said? How many of y'all have said, Jesus has been angry? Come on, we're, show of hands. Show of hands. Good for y'all. Now, how was Jesus angry? We all know the same example. Somebody shout it out. The market. Good. Yes, the market, the table. Oh, that's what I heard. Market tables. Uh. Way to be, everybody. Way to be. No, it's 100% true. I'll read the scripture for us because we know that it's here. Jesus entered the, t the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it into a den of robbers. Now we talk about Jesus' anger here, but here's the thing, right? 
Jesus is here to show us what it looks like to be fully alive, right? That's what Jesus is here to do. Show us what it means to be fully alive. Jesus is angry. So how is Jesus in this situation showing us what it looks like to be fully alive? I'll tell you. Uh, what would happen is you would go to the temple. Now put yourself in this position. You buy an animal, maybe a dove, maybe a sheep, maybe a goat. And you raise that thing to perfection. You make sure that it's completely and utterly unblemished. You make sure that's always the case. You treat this animal like family because one day you're going to take it to the temple and you're going to have it sacrificed before God. It is your most honorable sacrifice. So you get to that temple and you bring that animal to the priest and the priest says, I see a blemish on this animal. And you go, where? And they go, here. Don't worry, you can't give this animal to God, but what you can do is you can buy one of the animals that we have and you can give that animal to God. Now, it doesn't matter that that's going to be jacked up in price by about 10 times, putting you into debt. But you're at the temple, so you do it. And then what do they do? They take your animal, the animal that you raised, the animal that you put the work into. They take it around back. The next person who comes in, guess who they sell it to? So what is Jesus doing? Jesus is getting angry because the priests in the temple are denying the full humanity of others. Any single time that we are saying that you are subhuman enough where I'm willing to pull a scam or a scheme on you, that is worthy of our anger. And so think about it in today's terms. Any single time there is a system in place that doesn't let someone live out their full humanity, that is worthy of our anger. Any time that we are put in a position where we are not allowed to live out our full humanity, that is worthy of our anger. Jesus shows us that that anger is actually something that, that um, is worth reconciling. It's worth bringing peace to that situation. It's worth getting angry so that the fullness of humanity can be shown to people who are getting schemed in the temple. It's worth reconciling this for us to show us that our fullness of humanity matters, right? If we are uh, in, in a place where a system has broken us or hurt us or whatever the case may be. This is God's design for us. So practically speaking... How do we transform ourselves in this? How do we transform to know that our righteous anger is a good thing, a life-changing thing, a reconciling thing? Y'all ready for this? This is going to be huge. We simply start by knowing that we are loved by God. So last week I said, y'all remember this? I love this joke. I'm just going to say it again. Remember last week I said, um, arachnophobes are usually spiders themselves? <laughs> remember this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What is my point in saying that, right? My point in saying that is the thing that we're scared of is what we do not give to others. So for instance, when we are scared and we feel like we cannot be angry ourselves, then we will make sure that others cannot be angry as well. When we don't feel like we can be loved, then we're going to make sure that other people can't be loved as well. Right? When we feel like we have to stick to a certain set of rules and platitudes and there's an angry policeman in the sky, we are going to treat other people with that same attitude, right? And so the first thing that we do, the first thing that we do is we go, when I am fully loved by God, because I am, no matter what I've done, no matter who I am, no matter how I identify, no matter how my orientation looks, regardless, no matter who I am, I am absolutely made perfectly in the image of God all the way down to my anger. When we believe that, then it allows us to be righteously angry. And then we can look at others and say, I see your anger and I'm righteously angry with you. That's where we start. We start by knowing that we are loved by God. Way easier said than done. Am I right? This week has been a tough one for me, a brutal one for me for some reason. I've had to wake up every day and just be like, Jonathan, remember that you're loved by God. Sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes it's that simple. 
So what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do to show, show us what anger looks like in, uh, in order to bring out the fullness of humanity? What Jesus does is Jesus writes passive-aggressive posts on social media. <laughs> Not at all. These are some practical things, but Jesus shows us what we should do. Jesus gets away. Whenever there's anger, whenever Jesus is in a place where he's dealing with the religious leaders of the day, Jesus gets away. And he goes away, and he goes away to pray. Goes away to be by himself, goes away to be alone. How often do we give permission to our significant others to get away? How often do we say, you know what, you are upset about this. You can take as much time as you need to figure that out. Do we say that? Or, yeah. We're like, no, right now we need to fix this today, before the sun goes down on our anger. What if we gave ourselves space and time to get away? Those people with kids, what if y'all gave yourself some space and time to get away from your children and, let the other, and you let your significant other take care of it for a minute? That's a scary thing to think about. Those of us who are single, single parents, what if we actually called somebody and said, hey, I don't care what y'all think. I need some time to get away from my child. Will you please watch this kid? <laughs> and I promise you that someone will say yes. Maybe getting away means praying. I'm a terrible pray out louder. Um, for me, it's about meditation. So I sit there for a few minutes and just meditate. Maybe for some of us, it's therapy. Therapy's fantastic. Maybe that's what we do. Maybe for some of us, uh, it's movement. Maybe movement is what helps us to create clarity or figure out the root of our issue. Whatever it is, get away. Find that peace. And seriously, if you need somebody to watch that child, call that person. Call me. We'll make that happen. And then when we take care of the root of our own anger, you know what we get to do? Help others. But right now, we don't help others when they're angry. You know what we do when people are angry? We try to solve the problem for them immediately. My daughter comes in a couple weeks ago. She's like, I'm sad. I'm like, why are you sad? She's like, well, I was late to school and I made my friends late and my friends are mad at me. And I said, well, here's four ways you can fix that. Not at all what my daughter needed. <laughs> Not at all. What she needed was to sit on the couch with me for a second and to be angry, to be sad, to be upset. I didn't give that to her. You know why? Because we are so quick to want to fix this. It goes back to don't let the sun set on your anger. Quick, we got to solve this. And like I said, that's the cut that has the cheap CVS Band-Aid over it doesn't solve anything. Let's not be quick to fix. All right, I'm going to confess something that I've done before and I'm probably going to do again. About 13, 14 years ago, my wife, who is South Asian, comes home and she says, you know what, I'm so sick of being overlooked because I'm a small brown-skinned woman. And I said to her, well, that's not why you're overlooked. That didn't happen. I'm kind of short myself and sometimes I get overlooked. That's just the whitest white man thing to say in the world. <laughs> that is it. Oh. And like I said, I'll probably do it again with my blind spots. It's terrible. What's my point? My point is don't, don't minimize that. Just because it's not your experience doesn't mean it's, it's, it's not somebody else's. There's a righteous anger there that we minimize, we take away from that person. Their right to be angry, the righteous anger that happens. Don't minimize anger. You know what else we do? We try to one-up people. You ever try to one-up somebody? Somebody comes to you and says, I'm really upset about this. And you go, oh yeah? Well, I'm upset because they did this. And that person's like, thanks a lot. You stole my thunder. When we're angry, y'all, we need, we need to be angry. We need to have somebody listen to that anger, right? And yet we, we want to identify. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, I hear you. I went through this kind of experience over here. And people are like, I don't need you to tell me your experience right now. I need to tell you about mine, right? So what do we do? 
When others are angry, let's be angry with them. It's righteous. It's good. So another time, Juby, I'm sorry that we keep talking about our, our marital issues. <laughs> but another time, um, Juby came back and said, like, I'm tired of not being heard. And I, and I said, what do you mean? She said, you know, I said something and then the same white man said it. And everybody listened to the white man, but not to me. And oh, I learned my lesson at least this time around. And I said, I'm pissed for you. And legitimately, I was. I said, I'm really sorry. And legitimately, I was. And she kept going. She goes, this happens way too often to people like me. And even though it's not my experience at all, I said, you're right, it does. I'm sorry. And she said, here's what I need from you, Jonathan. Next time you see that happen, I need you to speak up on my behalf. Because people with privilege need to speak up for others on their behalf. Will you speak up on my behalf? I said, absolutely, I will. Now, I have, she's going to have to guide me in that a little bit because I'm, I'm dumb. But, but, um, but, but here's the thing. The thing is this. Like my sister, my, when I call my sister dumb. Anyway, um, the thing is this. The thing is that uh, if we are going to bring the fullness of humanity to others, then the empathy of sitting with people in their anger is going to make all the difference in the world. And if somebody tells you that there's a system that is making them righteously angry, don't tell them that you can't hear them because they're too angry. Let's say, hey, I'm right there with you. I'm going to be angry with you. Even though I might not get it, I still appreciate and respect and know your anger matters. And not only does it matter to me, it matters to God who made you uh, to, to have this feeling, to made, you, to made you to know that this could be reconciled, right? This is the way that we operate when it comes to anger. There is a time and a place to get rid of toxic anger. There's a time and a place where we can talk about how that might hurt us. But today, we simply need to know that God created us perfectly. And part of that is to be righteously angry. So today, when you walk out the store, be angry. Have you lost somebody? Be angry. Are you a part of an oppressive system? Uh, or are you, I'm sorry, are you the, the, the victim of an oppressive, oppressive system? Be angry. If you're like me, you're a part of an oppressive system. Be angry. It's okay. God has designed us that way. It will transform the way that we do life here in this place. It will bring in the next 500 years of Christianity if we are honest about the anger within us. It will. And here's the deal. In our anger, we get to bring about the fullness of humanity that God created for each and every one of us. That is why Jesus came. That is why we're here. And that is why we're going to be transformed. Amen? Amen. Why don't we pray together? God, we thank you. Um, we thank you for making us the way you've made us. Help us to be reminded that you have made us perfectly. Thank you, God. God, we thank you that you've allowed us conscious anger, the ability to know that something needs to be fixed or reconciled or worked through. Allow us to do that wisely and allow us to support one another as a community in that. And Lord, when we do not get it right, when we break it, thank you for the grace that comes the grace that comes by you just calling us your child. The grace that comes through Jesus Christ who shows us what it looks like to live fully human. Thank you for that, God. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.